and I live in a van down by the river. Well, welcome everybody to episode number two of Down by the River. This is Pastor Mark Helso along with you. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Uh, wow, it was a great episode number one where we were uh, talking to uh, Mike Basic. Today we've got a great interview for you, uh, all you river people, or if you're just tuning in to hear the subject of our interview today, welcome. We're glad you're, glad you're with us. Um, this is Down by the River. It is the podcast for the River Church Franklin Park. So uh, if you've never been to the church, great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find us. We're right in Franklin Park. Uh, look us up on Facebook or on YouTube. Our uh, online service streams live on both of those platforms uh, at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock a.m. And whenever you can tune in, uh, you can watch it after that on Sundays or whenever during the week. Um, and we're also on Instagram, uh, the River Church Franklin Park, uh, at, at all those things. So just search, you'll find us, and uh, we'd love to have you join us, find out what's going on at the church at our Facebook page or our Instagram page. Also, if you're listening to us uh, and you've never been to the church and you'd like to receive one of our t-shirts, uh, I can't show it to you because it's an audio podcast, but it's a really cool Love God, Love Others, Love Pittsburgh t-shirt. Uh, you can text the word first time, first time, all one word, text the word first time to 724-248-1773. That's 724-248-1773. And we'll send you a t-shirt uh, for free. Uh, so I know most of you are tuning in to hear our interview subject today. we got a great interview for you. I think you're going to love uh, this interview today. It is with Katie Ersta. Katie Ersta has been at the river for, I think, three three or four years now, uh, along with her husband, Mike, and their two kids, Dominic and Nick. And um, we're so excited to uh, have them at the river as a family and uh, also to hear Katie's story, which is amazing, and, and just to hear her talk about her relationship with Jesus. So without further ado, let's get to our interview here on Down by the River with Katie Ersta. Hey, we have a great guest with us today. I'm excited to uh, talk to her today. This is Mrs. Katie Ersta. Hello, hey. Katie. Hey, everyone. How are you? How are you doing? We're good. What's up? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I my feel gosh. Like I haven't seen you in forever. Even though you, I know. you did some things for the for the online service for the church. You did some devotionals. I'd see yes. you on video. Oh, yes. Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago. Though. I'd, see you, I'd see you on video, but I, yeah. didn't, I didn't see you in person. So I'm seeing you while. in person. And here I am in the flesh. What is happening? I don't know. There are so many things happening right now in this world. It's it's changing every day, but for the most part, I'm just I'm just keeping busy with work, with virtual school, with the kids, and um, being the wife of a man who enjoys hunting a lot. Yeah, so, he's <laughs> out in the woods right now. He is right now? Uh, I think no, he's home right now. He was out. He was out this morning in the freezing cold. So. Yeah. See, my I come from a long line of hunters. My and fishermen. And fishermen, yeah, yes. the whole thing. And I, I just couldn't do it. Fishing was too boring mm. and hunting was too cold. I agree. So I, I played Get sports, it. but I could not do the... 
<laughs> could not do the the uh, hunting. Yeah. Like I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. in the cold woods. I, I understand. Don't know. Just I didn't didn't do it for me. So. Yeah. So tell you we mentioned your family a little bit about a little bit. So tell me yeah. tell us a little bit about your family, Mike, sure. your husband, sure. and you got a couple kids, right? I do. So I am my husband is Mike. We have been married for thirteen years. Wow, congratulations! I kind of math that in my head for a little bit. So we met we met in college. We you know our last year of college, and I where'd you go? I went to we went to Pitt Johnstown. Oh, we went nice. to the brunch. Mike played hockey yeah. and I was a sorority girl. Mm-hmm. And I mean when I saw him, we were at a party and I looked at I looked at my <laughs> roommate at the time and I was like, You see that guy over there? I'm gonna marry that and I'm gonna just say bleep out of, of him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. And I was completely, you know, I was So you knew young. what you knew what you wanted and <laughs> yes, uh, went and, and got it. Uh-huh. And um <laughs> so we got married and we when, two when, boys. hold on, when when did you tell Mike that you said that to your friend? How, Probably, how far into it? I think we were engaged by the time he knew that. I was like, I just, I knew. I looked at you and I just knew. I don't I know. Lined I just you up. knew. Yeah. And but by the way, before you go on, I, can I tell you my Pitt Johnson story? Oh, yeah, totally. So I played college soccer. I was a fullback, I was a defender. So I didn't get to score many goals. The only goal I scored in my college career. It was against Pitt Johnstown. Against Pitt Johnstown. At oh. Pitt Johnstown. Ah, okay. Back in the day. I <laughs> yes. think, though, you were there Back. probably a little bit before Yeah, I'm a little I older than you. So. I think. <laughs> yes. just like... A little bit older. So tell me about your yeah. two boys. So I have two boys as well. Uh, Nick is my 10-year-old son, and he is really involved with hockey. And we have our other son, Dom, who is also involved with hockey. And they play both ice hockey deck hockey and my husband coaches all of the hockey so you're a hockey family we are except you you've never played hockey. yeah and funny story before i met mike i was dating a guy nice guy i'm still in touch with him he's he's actually a client of mine in in my company and when i met him i remember he loved loved hockey loved watching the sport okay and i remember saying oh like i would never <laughs> like i could never be with you forever because i could never deal with all this hockey oh. and when i met mike the nhl was on strike so i literally had no idea how yeah. much he loved yeah. hockey god gave you a window he gave right me there. a window i knew he played i mean he was playing hockey but i had this right. reprieve because there was no nhl that right. year that right. we met wow. and then it came back and i was like oh we're serious we're serious about this so the question the question would be would you have ever gotten married if the nhl had not been on strike you know what who knows <laughs> who knows what the outcome would have been that so, that's yeah. funny that's a cool story that's yep. that's very cool so <laughs> so where are you from so the, yeah. the people listening where, where do you uh, hail from where'd you grow up south hills so oh, south, hills, south hills are... i know and it, it's funny how, what the divide is it really mm-hmm. is if you go over the river and through the woods mm-hmm. you people think you're crazy like yep. why would you want to live in the north and then when you're in the north People look at you cross-eyed when you're like, why would you ever want to live in the South? You know, so, um, but we love the North. We came here. I was actually a teacher in Avonworth School District. I had gotten a job uh, a couple years out of college. We had lived in Maryland for some time. And then I got a job at Avonworth, lived at Av- um, in the school district Avonworth and fell in love with it. Right. And so we stayed North long after I, I left the classroom. So, so you, there's space up here. There is. 
you, you feel like you can breathe a little bit. Lots of places to hunt for Mike, yeah. so he's yeah. good there. Did you um, go to high school down in the South Hill? I did. I went to Thomas Jefferson. TJ. And I did. They just won states just again. Just won again. So Bill Chirpak. Were you a uh, cheerleader, sports no. person? No. None of that stuff? None of it. None of it at all. Uh, th- theater. Which oh, is interesting okay. because I couldn't memorize lines. Okay. And it's become a big part of even my business now. Mm-hmm. I my my best friend in in the company we run, we we run a company called Chic Influencer. She loves anything scripted and I hate anything scripted. I don't want a script. If you put a script in front of me, I will never be able to memorize it. So you just I just want a riff. You I want a riff. And I I loved theater. I still love theater. I just was terrible at memorizing it. Right. What were you in? What were you in? Uh, Sweeney Todd. Okay. There was Sweeney Todd. Oh, hello, Dolly. Oh, nice. Um, what's the baseball uh, baseball one? Um, K- Casey? Casey, I, go, yeah. Yeah, something. I, I remember, yeah. It, I mean, that's what I remember about okay. theater. Sweeney Todd, though, was a good one. So I you, were, you did all the high school plays and... The high school plays and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In college, I was in theater. I okay. did theater too, and yeah. I had the lead male lead role in Arsenic and Old Lace. Okay. Have you ever seen Arsenic no, and Old I Lace? No, I have not. Classic good. play. Classic play. It's a dark comedy. It's where uh, there's two ants, two single ants. They run a boarding home out of their home, and this sounds really bad. It sounds like the precursor to the movie Saw or something like that. Kind of does. But people come in, people come in, and if they find out these men are just like lonely yeah. men, they put them out of their misery. Oh. They poison them. And then my crazy brother buries him in the basement. Oh. It's actually dark. very funny. <laughs> but it's, it's a very, funny one? Oh, it's hilarious. But I guess it's Sweeney a, Todd a was kind of dark, play. too. They made a movie out of it. Cary Grant played the part that I got to play. I wonder if there's going to be a reprieve. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sweeney Todd was dark. A little bit dark. Yeah. Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Sweeney Todd. It's Demon Barber. So theater, Thomas yeah. Jefferson, Pitt mm. Johnstown. Yep teacher at uh, Avonworth for yeah. a little bit yeah um but now what do, you, what do you do with yourself I do a couple of things so for a long time I when I was teaching my husband and I I don't know I mean I'm sure that you understand this from time to time just in the people you know we were always crossing our fingers hoping to make ends meet at the end of the month right. he had a good job I had a good job but it always seemed like there was never enough income. And I remember finding this opportunity and I scaled a business over eight years through a company called Beachbody. And they do Beachbody On Demand, the streaming. And so I started my own sort of fitness company and I learned about marketing and my background was in reading. And I started to understand how you can only successfully market products and services and experience with successfully sharing a story. And so I started to teach myself that strategy and that skill and I created from that I created a company with my best friend called Chic Influencer and so now what we do is we help other people who want to scale a business start a business uh, just learn more about marketing through social media without a huge ad spend right 
And so we started Chic Influencer. We run community. We um, handle media. We do media management for people. um, And we also do mentorships. And so that has been happening since about 2019. January of 2019 is really when we started. And throughout this past year, the pandemic. Right right before the pandemic. But what's been awesome is through the pandemic, we have helped so many. It's so cool to be able to. Yeah, it sounds like a great great yeah. time for that. Well, the business uh, just helping business owners understand that even if the doors are closed to your business, mm-hmm. you still can show up and consistently make a presence and serve people really, really well right. so that when your doors open again, you have people that you're the first person that comes to mind. And so we've we've created summit experiences for people, lots of free resources, and just mentoring people how to really scale, right. even when it seems like the odds are against you. So a lot of this time, you know, it's disruptive as it is disruption often leads to innovation oh yeah and so you guys have been able to help people innovate yeah and um, maybe even save their business Mm -hmm. or get it started or get it started and I don't I think it's John Maxwell talks about like never wasting a really good um obstacle yeah and because or a pandemic or a pandemic <laughs> like never waste a really good obstacle or a right. pandemic and i couldn't agree more yeah. and i think a lot of that has to do with what do you see as an opportunity do you see the obstacle do you think do you see all the things that aren't working like what's your vision in front of you because if your vision is of negativity of doom and gloom of this this isn't working this everything feels like it's coming up against me your mindset will never go into maybe this is happening for me Mm -hmm. and i just really have adopted since 2014 really this mindset of like every obstacle no matter how bad it is there's going to be a light right there is going to be light that comes out of this darkness so you've got lots going on lots going on we're going to talk about one of the things you have you have really going on right now in a minute but i want to ask you um you know as people are listening to this from from uh the church or they're listening in another format that that they know you from or whatever Mm. so how did you First of all, how did you come to the river? How did you end up oh. here at the River Church? How did that? How did you find? And we're not. Oh, we're, you gosh. just live right down the road. I but, do. But and how I, did you? How did you end up here? Well, then the river is kind of nestled back here. So yeah. even though I drove right. by it uh, a million me, times, I, I didn't. I didn't well. really know. How did I come to the river? It was a recommendation. Laura Duncan, yeah. who has since moved to North Carolina, South, South Carolina, Carolina, South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, she had mentioned because we had been at a, a church a, a bible study she and i had gone to a bible yeah. study together she had mentioned this church and a couple weeks before that i had gone to another church and i just left feeling like mm, that isn't that i don't agree with that i, right. I don't feel i don't feel good about right. the message that was being sent and a very much a just lost with what i felt a church should be for me right, right? And so she mentioned this church, and the day that I came in, everybody was wearing T-shirts that said, everyone matters. And I was like, okay, all right, thank you for accepting everybody in the church, because that, to me, I I want people, I want to make always, even in my own writing, make people feel like you can be broken and still loved. Yeah. 
And I just that message resonated mm-hmm. with me from the very beginning, came into the church, loved the music, loved how inviting people were, yeah. very kind uh, and non-judgmental. And that yeah. was a big, big point for me. And I think the first time I came, I came by myself. The second time I came with the kids and the kids had a good time and just... So I think, and I don't even remember if this was two years ago, three years ago. I think it was 2017. I, yeah, I can't, I can't even remember now. <laughs> because this last eight months has been like seven years. It's like seven years, So yeah. you can't really, you can't yeah. really remember anything. <laughs> like, isn't it weird that you talk about stuff like pre-pandemic? Like, remember that? But it yeah. was only eight months ago. Yeah. But it feels like eight years ago. And it does. Like, and even as I'm watching Hallmark Christmas movies right now, <laughs> yes. and they're not wearing masks, I yes, catch myself get, going, huh, remember when we could just go about without our masks on? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been watching stuff or I see old pictures and I go because it pops up on my yes. Facebook memories and uh-huh. I go remember when we could be with all those people oh, yeah <laughs> or a concert and I'm like yeah. wow can you imagine <laughs> it is crazy like it you is. think about it, no one's had to do this for 100 years it's insane so like we're like groundbreaking because nobody that was alive then is Figuring really alive now mm-hmm. so it's crazy so so you came here about three years ago yeah. Awesome. Glad to have your family. Yeah. It's been awesome to get to know your family and your kids. And and um, mm-hmm. and that was awesome. Like Mike helped us. Uh, I think it was last, not this last summer. He helped us with our with our sports camp. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was in his element. Right. Yeah. He got to do hockey. Coach, Coach Mike. <laughs> he got to do hockey. Yep. So so that's church. But how did you come to faith in yeah. Jesus? How did how did you come to a relationship with Jesus? How did that how did that happen? Yeah. So I think I'm going to first admit that I, I, I think it's okay to say I was a Sunday school dropout. Mm-hmm. I really, yes. I had been in a Lutheran church throughout my childhood and in my teen years, and I'd been introduced and gone to Sunday school, but nothing was clicking. And in 2014, I, I just remember I, I had just been diagnosed with cancer, and this is actually, I'm sure we'll talk about this yeah. a little bit, but I had just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And how, I, old, how old were you? Oh my gosh. Okay. So what am I? 37. So I was 31. I was 31 when I received. So that's traumatic. Traumatic. Oh yes. And even the after cancer part had, has been, um, a lot, uh, of just, just dealing with and coping with what it's like to live with cancer after cancer, watch other people with cancer pass away from cancer. And, So in 2014, though, my son Dom was four months old and my son Nick wasn't even four at the time. And we knew I was going to be going into treatment. And we had taken the kids away for a weekend to Kalahari, which is an oh, indoor. Yeah. I've been to Kalahari. Yeah, and I'll never go again. The smell, <laughs> the thought of it, I will never be in an indoor water park. Did it again. smell too musty for you? Well, or it's too just moldy? And now you associate it. You associate it all with that part of your life. Oh, okay. I get it. I and get so, it. You and, had other stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, it did. They ruined so, Kalahari forever. Totally, forever. Any in any indoor water park. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we we had gotten there and, and we actually when we were on the ride there we had uh, gotten the call from my oncologist on a Saturday morning so never did we think he was going to call us on a Saturday and, and we knew when he called it was pretty serious and he said it's stage four we're starting Monday we're going to start treatment on Monday and you hear stage four yeah like and what? you like, a, a numb did your um, knees buckle I mean well like, numb there was yeah. no that we didn't talk the rest of the ride so So like you didn't even know what to say to each other no no you don't because everything just kind of stops i haven't thought about this in a long time so it's actually bringing up some emotions so my kids were in the back seat 
and we get to Kalahari and we hadn't talked. We hadn't spoken to each other the rest of the ride. And I don't remember exactly where we are, but it's almost like I can place myself in the car and see like the outside landscape. And um, we get to Kalahari and Mike says, I'm going to get a, a rack for those suitcases. Why don't you take the boys to the room? So I take the boys to the room and I remember holding Dom and I had my arms in front of me, Dom's in front of me. Mm-hmm. And again, he's four months old. He's three, four months right. old at the time. And I'm rocking him and I'm like, okay. And I'm like bargaining. I'm, I, you're looking at a woman who had believed ish, ish, yeah, right? So yeah, I was there. I was like, all right, if you're real, like you show me, like you show me that this is, that it is going to be okay. Right. And, uh, um, Nick is playing, you know, and I'm waiting for my husband to come back with the rack. And I I can't make this up. I looked to the nightstand in between the two beds. And the Holy Bible was out. You know how in hotels they keep yeah, the Holy yeah, the Bible? Gideon in Bible the yeah, the Gideon's. Yeah, okay. give the Bible. So yeah. it's out. And on top of that Holy Bible is a ladybug. Yeah. And when my Mimi had passed a few years before that, the ladybug would show up in our lives, like yeah. kind of... Just letting us know, right. you know, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And an overwhelming peace that surpasses all understanding, right. can't explain it, was like, this is for you. Right. This is for you. And I heard the words, this is for you, as clear as can be. And that's where the faith journey actually started, hmm. was I don't know what this is, but I know it's real. I don't know what right. it looks like. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I don't know what it's leading to. Don't have to, all the answers. Don't. But I knew I was going to be okay. And right. I knew that no matter the outcome, he was using me. Right. So, And I think that's really important to note when it comes to faith is you cannot control the outcome, but mm. you can control output. And yep. that's whatever you feel like, use me. I don't know how this is all going to end, but I know that something good will come from it. Early on in my faith journey, on that bed that day with that holy Bible out for, for me clearly, yeah. and a ladybug, I knew that this was a for me, not a to me. Like right. this was going to bring good from a really dark place, and hmm. I didn't know how. But my husband walked back in to the room, and he was still like clearly upset and devastated about everything and I looked at him and to this day he will say I've just never seen you more confident about anything I was like I'm gonna be fine I don't know it's hmm. just this is how it's supposed to be I don't know what it's gonna be I don't know what it's gonna look like I don't know how chemo is gonna go I don't know how treatment's gonna go I don't know how my body's gonna respond but I'm telling you it's gonna be okay and whether I lived or I passed and I understand this now this it was his will Right. So, yeah. So how did, so when you began that journey, yeah. how long a journey was that before you were, you know, spoiler alert, you yeah. were, you were, you were clean yeah. right, of cancer. Uh, how long was that journey? So I went, it was like February, early February of 2014. And then my final chemo treatment was August 18th of that year. Okay. So that was the span. It's like a six month journey. A little bit. That. Yeah. And I mean, ups and downs. I was hospitalized for, a, I was in the ICU um, for about three days. Did your belief that you were going to make it, did it waver mm. at all in the middle of that? Did you, did you struggle? Did you hit a point where no. you were like, did I get this wrong? Did I? No. It's interesting because I, I didn't understand my faith. So I, <laughs> I don't want, yeah. 
I, I heard this story about Mother Teresa actually recently where right. she had heard the voice of God very, mm-hmm. very early and she knew it to be the voice of God. But then after she had heard it, she was like, what is – like she had all of these doubts. Well, she you struggled know? with her faith. She yeah, struggled with she faith going, and with yeah. doubt. And she was like, all right, but I'm just going to keep sort of going. Right. So in that sense – yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I actually think faith and doubt are opposites. They're, not, They're actually no. complementary because the more right. you doubt, but you lean into your faith, the more your faith actually right. grows. So I think faith and doubt actually complement one another. And so for that, uh, no, I don't think that I ever, I don't think that I ever really questioned him and his being, but I think I often just would be scared or worried or of fear. But I always just had this peace about it. Mm -hmm. So how then did your faith morph where you felt you went from being a person Mm -hmm. that you describe as believish or I didn't know a whole lot or I didn't really understand it. How did you move to a place where you felt like not that we have all the answers, not that we have it under figured out. I'm still figuring it out, but where you felt a little more solid. Okay. I don't know if solid's the word. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, well, maybe, yeah, it's I, probably, it might be a bad word, but. Okay. How? Where I actually started to lean into faith. Yes. So, after I had gone through cancer, um, I went through a, a period of, of trauma, of like PTSD, where okay. because I was so busy just trying to distract myself from actually acknowledging the cancer that there nobody really tells you this when you're going through yeah, see, like I don't a, think anybody would know this like no, when you just said no that one would know I would this. never know that because I would think like the day they told you no. you're clean we like oh it's all joy and celebration no. from there on out that's it's, what you would it's think it's trauma because you haven't really coped with what you just went through and then yeah. on top of that you feel an expectation and a pressure to be something hmm. or to live up to something or this time of like I need to do it and guilt an insane amount of guilt for living when other people don't. So survivor's guilt survivor's is really real. Survivor's guilt is incredibly real. And so I went to a Bible study. Like I said, I knew that that day he was real. Mm-hmm. I knew that I, sure. I knew he gave me that peace. It, it, it just surpassed any understanding. And so I go to this Bible study and I'll never forget it. I was downstairs in this basement and there was coffee and I was like lots of good food. And I love good food. And I'm in the health and fitness industry. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. Like I really love a good croissant. Yes. And it's good, bad food. It's right? good, bad food. Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, so I so I walk up and I get something to eat. And this, this woman comes up to me and she's like, so, you know, how do you how'd you get to know Jesus? And I think she meant it in the most endearing kindest way and in the only way I knew how to respond because I was really new to my faith is um, I don't know I was hoping I could get to know him here yeah and she looked at me with a very blank stare and and without understanding or what to say next she smiled and walked away (laughs) I thought oh "Oh, snap I think I'm in the wrong place yes and I thought oh gosh I am so Jesusing wrong like and then it went back to what did I really hear him is this real like I think I'm doing all this faith thing wrong and I I knew I didn't belong in that room that's it but I I remember that moment very distinctly because I assumed that those women had it all figured out. Yeah. But then I realized I don't think they do. Yeah. Were you a community I, Bible study? Is that what it was called? Uh, I, I don't remember it was. what it was called. Yeah. I don't remember. I think I know where you were at. Yeah. And I can promise you those people didn't have it all together. Yeah. Because I think so I knew a bunch of them. I was, I, when I left, I was like, okay, I'm going to 
figure out how to pray. I'm going to figure this out. So I was like, Google. I went to Google. I was like, how do you pray? Right. And so it came up as the, I'm not kidding you. I went to. This is great. I mean, this is great. (laughs) So I went to, I Googled and it was the Lord's Prayer. And I looked up different versions of the Lord's Prayer. And as a teacher, a reading teacher, my background has always been in annotating text and understanding and just analyzing and looking at and trying to pull things out from it. And so I read the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art not healthy, thy name. And I'm reading it and I'm annotating it. And I'm like, I think there's five things that really define what prayer is. Mm -hmm. And then I got out this journal from Marshall's and I just started writing these prayers that I would keep in my back pocket. I and I would just put them in my back pocket and I would be like, I think this is a good prayer and because it makes sense to me. And yeah. I started sharing them on social media. I started sharing them and people would say, Where did you where'd you find that prayer? That's so good. And I'd be like, I wrote it, but I don't know what I don't know yeah. if it's good. And people started connecting mm-hmm. to it. And then this year during the pandemic, mm-hmm. I felt a calling to put the words into writing with the words, you cannot Jesus wrong. And as I said to you at the beginning mm-hmm. of this podcast, uh, or even before we started recording, I, I asked you, have you heard of like how I met your mother? Have you ever watched the show? Yeah. And the, the premise of the show, there's this playboy, his name's Barney and he has this friend Ted and he would try to set Ted up with these really pretty girls. They would be in a bar and his, his line was, Hey, have you met Ted? Ted? You know, and I thought to myself, I think that's what a disciple is supposed to be. I think a disciple is supposed to be someone who says, have you met Jesus? Right. And they don't condone. They don't condemn. They don't judge. They don't. They just say, like, I have Jesus and I want you to meet him because Mm -hmm. he saved me and he saved you. Have you met Jesus? And I was like, I can do that. I can just set up the handshake. And so I wrote the back pocket prayer journal to actually set up the handshake. Yeah. I, um, uh, someone once said it this way. They said, um, I was a beggar who found bread and now I just want to tell other people where to find the good bread. Yeah. The good bread. Yeah. The good bread. Yeah. Yeah, Like that's what, that's what it feels like. I I just, I'm just, I, I I would update that. I did a sermon like that one time where I I updated. I was like, I I found the Oreos, (laughs) the, the cookie jar. And I want everybody else to find it. So the I'm just double like, hey, stuff. Come. yes. I mint, mean, you're not talking maybe mint too. You have to be specific about the cookie. Yes. <laughs> so, you but you know what I love about we're going to get to what you just said. And yeah. by the way, one of my questions were, how did you come up with the title of your book? Yeah. And you just answered it. But oh yeah. But um, before we get there, I just want to tell you that like the innocence that you came at that with, like as far as like when you were searching, and the innocence of just saying, I'm going to Google how to pray. Yeah. That to me is which which is we forget i i forget sometimes as a pastor Mm -hmm. that people are sometimes just right there at that level Mm -hmm. and it's that basic yeah but it's also that beautiful like it's beautiful in its basicness like that that's the that's what i think like there's a guy who comes to jesus one time and he says lord i i don't i i believe help me with my unbelief so he's like I kind of get it, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I'm not sure where I'm at. And so, you know, for everybody listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, I you would tell them like, just be okay with start. being on the journey. You got to yeah. start somewhere and don't feel bad about yeah where you're starting. 
And I do think there's a lot of fear with people being judged for their own sin. I mean, everybody is a sinner. Everybody is a sinner. And I think there's a lot of times, even when I think back to that day in the Bible study, I immediately thought I didn't belong here because these women are cleaner than me. Like their sins Mm. are not as bad as mine or they're just further along. And there was this intimidation intimidation factor where I actually thought that the church was defining my relationship with Christ, but I wanted the relationship with Christ. So I had to start the relationship with Christ. And that for me was going to Google and looking up the Lord's prayer and then breaking it down into Mm -hmm. this is, these are the pillars that I feel really create a good prayer. Yeah. See, I, I think that's a good reminder because um, so now you've been a person that's been in the church for a while. Yeah. It's always a good reminder to remind like people listening to this. I hope you're hearing that well, we have to do everything we can to make people feel welcome. Mm-hmm. We have to make wherever they're at, mm-hmm. no matter what their background. Some people have been hurt by the church. Yeah. Other people just never been there. <laughs> so they've never been hurt by the church because they've never been there before. And they're coming Maybe it's a real risk for them to walk in the door or to walk, go to a Bible study or whatever, or they might have some kind of pain that's going on in their life. And we just have to be really careful that we are just inviters, like you said, inviting them in the moment Mm -hmm. to say, hey, come and sit with me. Come meet the person I met. Yeah. Setting up the handshake. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. So that brings us to your book. Yeah, sure. So that is that was one of my questions yeah. was was why is it called the Back Pocket Prayer Journal? Right. And that's what it's called, the Back Pocket Prayer Journal. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon, mm-hmm. right? You can get it on Amazon by Katie Ursa. By can, Katie Ursa. Yep. It says for the woman who thinks she's Jesusing wrong yes. is the, the tagline. Yeah. So guys, you can't read this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> guys, you can read it. If you want to, give it to your wife and read it together. I love or it. your girlfriend yeah. or whatever. Um so the back pocket prayer were, were literally, that for you was literally yeah. what you were doing. I was teaching myself how to pray. Yeah. The whole process. And this was uh, probably 2017 is really when this all started. It's yeah. about the time it, it, I went came to the river shortly after yeah. that um, that Bible study, yeah. I believe. I'm trying to connect it all together. So the first part of the back pocket prayer journal is teaching the five pillars where I actually walk through some really personal stories of how I found gratitude to be a pillar, how I found forgiveness to be a pillar, how I found surrender to be a pillar, how I found request and not like the genie in a bottle kind of request, give me a million dollars, God, please. (laughs) Um, And then of course, uh, faith in action which has been a big part of just inspiration from the river is it's not just going to church on Sunday and whether you go to church every Sunday or you don't, it's putting to action your faith in some way, believing that you're serving and showing up, it matters to the building of his kingdom. Right. And so tell us, tell us what kind of led you to write the book. I know yeah. I know why you know you were on your own journey, mm-hmm. but why did how did the process happen? How did you sit down and go, I need to write this. I need to get it out. I need to share this with other people. I it was 
like I talked about with the Bible and, and the ladybug and, and that moment of just complete surrender of knowing he's got it, I had come home from New York City in March. Good time and the to world, be there. <laughs> the world was changing, and I, we were right. very naive then. I mean, most yeah. of us really had no—I had never even heard of right. COVID-19. And that Monday, I remember people talking about this virus, and by Friday, the schools were shut down. I mean, it was that fast. Yeah. And during that time, I just remember thinking, people need the back pocket prayers. People need the back pocket prayers. I was made for such a time. I know how to deal with pandemic on the personal level. <laughs> I know I lived my own personal pandemic. And so I just I I sat down and I was like, I think I need to put this into writing. And I contacted my editor. I'd already worked with her before on another project. And I was like, I think I need to put this into writing. And here's the deadline. And I decided the deadline was going to be November 27th. I actually set the deadline because I knew I wanted to get it out before the holiday by the end of 2020. But it was still a good amount of time. And then I just committed. I committed to 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day of writing every single morning. I would do my own backup pocket prayer journal process, which, of course, is in the journal. And right. then I would write the the teaching part of it. And I just worked on this for a few months. But I, I really want to pause on that for a minute because I think a lot of times when people – believe that something is on their heart and they're called to it, they immediately go, oh my gosh, but where do I start? You know, what Mm -hmm. do I actually have to do? And I think the best thing to do is to take small action. When you just take seemingly small steps every every single day, mm-hmm. you actually start to get closer to where you want to end. And so the thought of writing a book, really right. overwhelming to me, right. really overwhelming. The thought of writing 20 minutes a day, not overwhelming at all. Okay. So that's how you, that's how you pulled it off. Yeah. Was yeah. like you just committed to, I'm going to write something every day. Yep. 20 minutes a day writing. Yeah. And I didn't realize, too, when I had started, I didn't realize that I had kind of created these pillars of prayer Mm -hmm. while I was doing it. But then I started to realize, okay, I talk a lot about gratitude. I start my morning every day with gratitude. And that is part of um, the Lord's Prayer is just starting each day like grateful, you know, from a place of abundance and from a place of feeling blessed. And then I started to realize that forgiveness of sins and forgiveness of others, uh, that was a big part of what I was praying on every single day. And then surrender was a really big part Mm -hmm. of what I prayed every day and requests for the others in my life, for my own, you know, stuff that I had going on. And so I started to realize there were these main points that I wanted to write about within the journal. Cool stuff. Yeah. So are you, are you excited about it? When you held it in your hands, how did you feel? Uh, how did I feel? <laughs> I felt like this is the start. That's how I felt. Right. Um, What's I, been the response? So far, uh, it has been a lot of, I need this. I need this. I'm so scared to start. Yeah. A lot of people are really scared to get it wrong. Right. And I just... I really think the message of like your brokenness is so welcome. Like right. he came for you. Right. Like you're you're saved. Like lean into his truth. Like lean into what he did and even in December and I encourage anyone to do this even though this I realize is going to air a little bit later. I would read the book of Luke. 
uh, every single day, one chapter, the book of Luke, and get to know Jesus as the man. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's from, he was a physician. So yeah, he, Luke, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was very uh, attention right. detailed. But what's interesting is some of the ways that he writes, you see that the perspective is from the Mother Mary. Um, mm-hmm. and, well, some you know, yeah. many people believe that Luke interviewed yeah, Mary. that's where he. And even when you hear the way they talk about just the way she treasured up the moments, like as right. a mom, you like feel that you're like, oh, she was a real mom, like a <laughs> real woman. And right. so, I encourage the start is just to each day spend um, a little bit of time with him and getting to know him. Very cool. So they can get it on Amazon. Yeah. And uh, on your website too, right? I do. Right? It's just Katie, K-A-T-Y, Ursta, U-R-S-T-A dot com. All right. You can get it there. So yeah, pick them up. Cool. Thank you for I bringing them on it. by. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's yeah. good to see it in person and to uh, hear your story. And now I know why it's called the back pocket. Yeah. Prayer journal. I learned something. I, yes. learned, I learned something today. So so uh, just kind of wrap up here in a little bit. I wanted, I just wanted to ask you some kind of random questions. Sure. That uh, you could kind okay. of... Throughout your answers too. So like, it sounds like, you know, you went on this amazing journey of faith. You're still on it. We're all still on it. Absolutely. What were some of the people that really kind of influenced your thinking like during that journey? Was it people you're reading or listening to or what was something that okay. kind of influenced your thinking? Some yeah. people, some people, and even people you'd recommend to someone else. Yeah. A lot of even as a business owner, so many um, biblical principles that are embedded within the Bible in business. So Greg Craig uh, Groeschel yeah. has two podcasts. He has his he has church, leadership he has podcast, the leadership yeah. podcast, and his church podcast was a big one. Um, there is a business devotional called "She Works His Way." It's in a morning app that I would use, and it really helped me. Uh, just get closer to God, even as I as a business owner too. And then the third one is the First Five app, which is by Lisa Turkhurst. Oh, okay. And so that app is really designed for women. And each day it's a different reading, it's a different devotional, right. and that's really where I started. Um, and but as I've grown, I've just been very cognizant of who I'm being mentored by. From you know, John Maxwell is one who obviously has Christian background. Tracy right. Morrow is another one of my my mentors, and a lot. A lot of them just really you can see that his light shines through their ministry mm-hmm. just not in a church right oh yeah. absolutely they're called to a different type yeah. of ministry john maxwell started as a pastor i know and the crazy thing is the first ministry job that i had was right down the street from where John Maxwell was the pastor in uh, a little place called Lancaster, Ohio. Yeah. That's where John Maxwell was a pastor very, very early on in his career. So those people influenced you, still influencing you. And one time, true story, you and I went to Light of Life. Yes. And we were serving the homeless and the man who prayed over us, I'm going to forget his name, Touch. Uh, Hutch. Hutch. Yes, yes Hutch. Hutch. Big, yeah, Hutch. big man. Oh, Hutch is awesome. I'm His prayer that day it was very impactful that we are all equal. We are all children of God. Right. And the little girls that I met and their their mother, they, she had come in. And this yep. was, I think, before Easter. Was it right before yes, Easter? Yes, it was. And I had asked you. It was Good Friday. Yeah. I had asked you some hard questions. I remember <laughs> asking you about... Um, you responded, I said, you know, how do you know if you're ready to take like the next step? And I was really going through some hard times in my business. And 
you said, I had to ask myself the question, do I love ministry or do I love people? people? Yeah. And that really impacted the way that I serve. So every time I make decisions is, would I still do this if he was the only one to say, right. well done, my good and faithful servant? Yeah, it's. I found it really, it can be easy sometimes to love ministry because it's really, there's some really cool stuff. There but is. to love actual people, Yeah, it's a little bit tougher. Yeah. A little bit harder, but even a lot harder at times to do that. Mm-hmm. So you're... You're very much an open book about your life. That's one thing I, I appreciate about you. <laughs> yes. That's one thing I appreciate about you, the honesty, um, because I think honesty and transparency are just great avenues towards a life of, of a deep discipleship with Christ is that he always calls us to you know quit faking it and just be real and yeah. just lay down. So what's so I'm going to close with this question. Sure, all sure. right. Oh, gosh. So what's one thing that people would be surprised to know about you? I don't know if people would be surprised, but I I swear a lot. <laughs> awesome. I do. I and I I know. I realize. Like I get it. I remember even at that Bible study. I the the, the Bible study where I was like, "Am I Jesusing wrong?" I was like, yeah. "I bet these women have never said the S H I T word," and they it's have. like of my vocabulary <laughs> uh that i think that might surprise people maybe or that's they'll look awesome. at me and be like oh yeah she totally I, does <laughs> i love it that's great <laughs> going back to honesty and transparency yeah. that's good stuff yeah yeah well i think jesus hung out with a lot of fishermen i think he was kind of i'm used pretty to... sure he heard some foul <laughs> mouths he heard some and i still think he loved them there you go that's it that's the it. point that's the point well katie thanks for coming Thank in you. thanks what for being a part of this will be the second episode That's of, awesome. of uh, Down by the River. And uh, cool. just like a good Chris Farley reference there. I love it. You told me something about Chris Farley. Yeah. he They decided that he was not the one who should play Buddy the Elf. Can you imagine Chris Farley? Know, as when they were in like, I know. <laughs> I know. When they had um, actually brought it to production or they were like actually pitching it. Yeah. They were trying to pitch it and Chris Farley. But they, Chris Farley, they said, no, he's not the one. Oh. And it would be a totally different movie. I miss Chris Farley. He's Rest so in good. peace. So good. Did you know that he was um he was a really strong Catholic? I read I his, his I read his I read was. his autobiography. Yeah. He was a very strong Catholic. He would go to mass every day yeah. in New York City when he worked at Saturday Night Live. He would go every day cuz he felt so guilty about the things he was doing in his life. You know, he had drug addiction, he yeah. had all kinds of issues. But he was such a seeker of God. But the saddest thing is when you read his autobiography, you realize that he just couldn't believe like all the things you were talking about. Yeah. He couldn't believe even though he had he had very good people who were telling him the opposite. Yeah. Some people, you know, they just can't. He just couldn't believe that God loved him. Yeah. Like he could like he couldn't he couldn't get to that point, even though he had really good people. In fact, the guy he named Matt Foley after was a really good friend. It was a real person, Matt yeah. Foley. He was his actual like campus pastor or priest or something like that, who was good friends with him. And uh, and he surprised his friend by naming that character <laughs> after him. Cool. It, w- it was a term of endearment. It was yeah. really, it was, he did it yeah. out of his love for him. But for some reason, Chris just couldn't, he couldn't get into unconditional love. He couldn't. He couldn't realize that God had, you know, like you said uh, before we came on the air, agape love for yeah. for him. It's very sad. Yeah. I love Chris Farley. It's well, good. thanks, Katie, for we just yes. went on a tangent there yeah, for a moment, but but uh, like thanks for part. coming on. Really appreciate you Thank and you. and um, good to see you in person again, and uh, and hope to see you around. And uh, and uh, thanks thanks. I hope everybody picks up this for Christmas and gives it. it to somebody that they love and and. Uh, 
the, or the woman in their life or their mother or whoever, yeah. sister, whatever. So thanks for being here. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll be back here on Down by the River. Don't go anywhere. See you in a minute. Wow, that was just a great interview with Katie and uh, great to hear her story and to hear her story of faith. And so thanks, Katie, for being so honest and open and and sharing with us. Uh, I'm sure everybody enjoyed that. Hey, um, we usually do a couple different segments here uh, at the at the close of the podcast. But today I just want to take a moment before we get to one of those Um to let you know, if you haven't heard already, which I'm, I'm sure many of you had, that we had a uh, one of our uh, long-term members at the River Church, Brad Harriger, um, who passed away on uh, Monday of this week. Um, and uh, so uh, that was a very sad moment. Um, many of us know Brad. Um, Brad was an incredible person. Um, I got to know him over the years. I've been at the river going, I'm now going on my ninth year. I think Brad has been there most of it, if, uh, you know, if not all of it, but very much most of it. And, um, he, uh, was an inspiration to many people. Um, he had had some really hard things in his life, which had, uh, landed him in a, a wheelchair and, um, some medical issues that he had. And, you know, Brad would get to church nearly every week before the pandemic. And even during the summer when we were doing outdoor services, he would get there almost every week uh, on his own expense. Uh, he would uh, take the access van and, and different ways to get there. And and he also that process would take hours to get there and go back and wait on his ride to come. And he was just a very faithful person. Uh, so, Brad, we uh, we miss you. We love you. Um, you're a huge loss to our church family. And I just wanted to share uh, a scripture that I'm going to be sharing at uh, Brad's funeral, uh, which is actually tomorrow uh, when I'm recording this. Uh, and I wanted to share with you what I'll be uh, reading there. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, it's from Psalm 73. And uh, this is what... Um, the psalmist writes in verse 23 through 28. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And so Brad, I know that at this moment right now that you are, um, you are with God. He is holding you by your right hand. And he has taken you into glory. And I know that even though your flesh and your heart failed, um, God was the strength of your heart. And I know that you are near God. And you have made the sovereign Lord your refuge. 
I know today, right now, I know in this moment that you're enjoying uh, your Savior, that you are whole, you are complete, and you are at home. And that's what really counts. And so, Brad, thank you. Thank you for all you gave to the river by your presence and your, um, just your, your, uh, your example. We really, uh, really appreciate it. So we're going to wrap up today by um, doing our last segment, which is called Run the River. And um, that's where we just kind of let you know of things that are going on at the river. And uh, first of all, I want to let you know that we're returning to live services January 17th. So we will be back to live services January 17th. We don't uh, think we will close down from here on out, but, you know, we're always kind of watching the numbers and watching kind of the recommendations from our leaders and CDC and different things like that. But I will tell you that we will return to live services on January 17th with just an 11 o'clock service. So we'll only be doing one service to start. So we will return to live services January 17th, 11 o'clock, socially distant. We ask you to wear masks, uh, all that stuff. Uh, and if you don't want to do all those things, if you if you don't want to come back, you just don't feel comfortable coming back yet, then we'll still be online at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock on YouTube and on Facebook. Also want to let you know, uh, we are just, we've just wrapped, we're just wrapping up next week, our chosen Bible study, which was great. Our, uh, of the chosen TV series. We just wrapped that up and, uh, we're going to start a new online study on February 3rd, uh, at 7 PM. I think it's a six week study starting February 3rd, 7 PM called how not to read the Bible. I mean, this is a fascinating study. You don't want to miss this. We're going to be on zoom Wednesday nights at seven o'clock, how not to read the Bible. And it's written by a friend of mine named Dan Kimball. Uh, he's one of the most prominent Christian authors and writers and pastors in America. And he's going to, uh, in this new book that he wrote, he talks about how, um, people struggle with the Bible and is the Bible pro-slavery and pro-violence and anti-women and all this other stuff. And it's a great look at the Bible and how we should be reading the Bible and how not to read the Bible. So that's starting on February 3rd at 7 p.m. and going for six weeks. We're going to be at Easter sooner than you can imagine. So we're looking forward to the Easter season and Lenten season all coming up very soon. So keep listening to these episodes. Uh, This is episode two. We'll have episode three out hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And uh, you'll get to see who the interview subject is for that. So, hey, thanks for being with us today on Down by the River. Thanks for joining us once again. Check us out at the River Church Franklin Park on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And we will hope to uh, see you soon at the River Franklin Park. Take care.